a bigger deal than it had to be. <laughs> I always do that. <laughs> just a clap. I just I just freak out mentally. Um <laughs> who am I this week? It's season three. Fuck. Who am I? Uh Battle. Pick somebody for me. I wait, what? <laughs> Your battle for season three? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Season three, I'm battle. I'm the cookie monster for season three. My wife just brought me cookies. That's why. Oh, perfect. Your hair's almost blue. It's supposed to be purple. Oh, it's purple for sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely purple. But you know, close enough to blue as we got. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm probably a massage gun today because I need it, and my shoulders have terrible mobility. I feel you on that. <laughs> I'll be hitting these dips. These dips mm. fucking suck. <laughs> I hope that your shoulders feel better and. You know, if I just like stretched and like slept appropriately, I think my body would like recover better. But you go to the gym and you're just like, oh, I don't feel like stretching because I don't yeah. got time for that. I don't have time to stretch. <laughs> I don't have time to take care of myself. <laughs> oh, you know what's exciting about this episode? What? The premiere. Yeah, it's the premiere episode because we're back from our brief hiatus. And I heard that deep swallow. <laughs> Can you hear it? Wait, who's yeah. swallowed? you oh okay good <laughs> yeah because battle snacking away season three he's already, he's carbo he's carbo loading get hype <laughs> and uh what's different about this season is each episode's gonna have its own theme and its own vibe yeah, that's what you're here for you're here for the fucking vibes man we're all just vibing out at the end of the day <laughs> and for our first episode we're gonna be doing murder covering <laughs> and covering some heinous crimes and wrapping up at the end you'll hear robert's weird of the week and a residential goth boy is gonna hit you with some shit. <laughs> <laughs> something a little spooky or evil or terrible i hope you do it in your voice that you do when you're reading your poem yeah, the, the, <laughs> i love that voice the, those sweet, sweet dulcet tones. Oh, that th- I that voice actually like takes like weird focus and like it, every once in a while I'll go back and listen to one and I'm like, oh, what is this terrible thing? <laughs> Everyone hates the sound of their own voice, though. Oh, I can't, I can't stand it, and that's why I hate editing so much because I just hate listening to myself. <laughs> so battle, do you want to do the honors or you want me to take it? Mine is pretty long. That's what she said, so why don't you go? Man, oh man. <laughs> Actually, if it's long, I can go, because mine isn't that long. Okay, whatever. Alright, I'm sorry to blue ball you on that one. <laughs> okay. I, uh, that's one of my kinks. Never mind. I like I the blue ball. I regret thing. saying that. Alright, moving on. <laughs> mine is about the murder of Franchili Almonte. And this case is really about a 
young black woman who was trying to help out a friend and got caught up in some deep shit. So now, Rancheli was a 36-year-old mother of two, and friends describe her as just a caring mother and protective friend. She was selfless, and that actually ended up screwing her over in a situation. So a friend of hers called her on Friday to ask if she could give her a ride to her daughter's house, or her daughter's boyfriend's house, to pick up her daughter because her boyfriend was just an abusive, controlling asshole. And she wanted to get her 17-year-old daughter out of that situation. She agreed her friend out because she's a caring person like that. And drove like a couple hours to her friend's daughter's boyfriend's place to get the 17-year-old away from him. So now, as the teen's mom was like trying to talk to her and like get her to come out, the boyfriend started getting angry and chucked the brick at the back window of Richelieu's van. That obviously pissed her off. They're arguing. And as they're arguing, they said it kind of happened fast, but he pulled out a knife and stabbed her several times. And while she was while he was stabbing her, she was able to like get a stick and beat him off. And amidst the fight, she got away, everyone got in the car, and they drove off. Now the adrenaline's coming down, and she's starting to realize that she's a lot more hurt than she thought she was. And she pulled out of her car when she started having trouble breathing. And she was taken to the hospital later that night and pronounced dead. Wow. So stabbed to death. Yep. Trouble breathing, so maybe stabbed in the lung? Maybe some, yeah, lung bleeding? Or even just the loss of blood, because once once, once your adrenaline starts wearing off, you know, those blood vessels and shit just start opening back up. Things start to hurt. Yep. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, it's just the pain alone could have caused you to shorten your breath. And One of my, like, biggest fears in the world is, like, getting crazy pneumonia or getting stabbed in, like, the lung or something and drowning on land. That, like, drowning in it, your own blood or in your own mucus. Like, terrible. Oh, oh, nightmares. Yeah. Fun fact, I have one lung, so if I ever get stabbed, just aim for the left side. And so, yeah, you, you need a... lung. <laughs> Use that side in defense. That side, yeah. I'm not being with my left. About you? Yeah, it's not (laughs) like a visible thing. But yeah, I was a premature baby, left lung didn't develop. Here I am. I wish I had to. I bet life was a lot sweeter with two. I wonder if you could like build a little compartment in the space that is typically occupied. Stem cells, bro. Stem cells. Oh no! I was was gonna put. I'm just gonna cut a little slit my ribs and throw a coin purse in there. Yeah, why not? think it works that way but <laughs> yeah your like, body you're, won't reject that foreign matter not at all no i'll just use like some purell every day purell? <laughs> that sounds painful you'll, yeah. you'll, hear, you'll hear me just like walking up jingling everywhere i go <laughs> <laughs> oh. but yeah and that's my case well i don't know if you're ready for mine because 
it's a sad case and it took 23 years to actually solve to, to research it no not to research it <laughs> to solve so i i want to warn everyone sorry to start off the season this way i think my very first episode with bruz murder was with a kid so this yeah this season you, you covered a lot of kids there's a lot of kids get murdered and it's crazy I know. You always want to tell me about it. <laughs> well, surprise everyone. This is about the murder of an 11-year-old boy named Christopher Allen Brown. And it sucks because it took place in 19, April of 1925 in Flint, Michigan. Of course, Flint, Michigan, everyone. I'm going to say Flint can never get a goddamn right? break. Flint is, there's always something going on with Flint. So they, they, they still, still don't have clean water. water. There's still <laughs> yeah, no clean water in Flint, Michigan. So Christopher was a bright young boy who came from a broken home. They often called him Alan, his middle name. And Alan was born November of 1973. Brenda, Alan's mother, said that it was love at first sight for her and that he brought her so much love and joy into her life. Super sweet, I know. She, t- she, she said that... He excelled in school and in sports, and he thoroughly loved the arcade game Pac-Man, which I was terrible at as a kid. It's those little details that, like, make it so sad. Yeah. And he also loved to fish. His parents did divorce, and he often had to go back and forth between his mother's house and his father's house. And Been there. I know how that is, too. According, actually, my dad just disappeared eventually, and he's just like, "Deuces." Haven't been there. <laughs> so, according to Acquisitor.com, Alan actually likes spending time with his his dad, as he was really close to him. He had a great time when he was with his dad. However, he did feel uncomfortable when he was around his stepmom, Rosalind Brown. He didn't like staying there when she was there. And that was a mystery to everyone because they didn't know why he didn't like to stay there when she was around or when she was there. So the last day his mother, Brenda, actually saw her son was in April 1985. On this day, Alan, he was supposed to go fishing with, go on a fishing trip with his dad or go fishing with his dad because he loved to fish. And he loved his dad. But Alan knew something was wrong when his stepmom his stepmom ended up picking him up to go to their, their house. And according to Alan's aunt, even though he left with his stepmom, he was crying the whole time and he was begging he was begging his aunt to like, no, don't let me go. I wanna stay here. And that was the last time anyone saw him any of his family that's kids and dogs are excellent judges of character right oh yeah and if they're like uncomfortable around someone from the get-go like this right like you gotta trust them and like investigate even a little bit about what's going on with that a little cousin called me ugly and i was like damn right (laughs) 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 the bitch pegged me (laughs) so when Brenda got home from work and Alan was not home at 11 p.m., 
she knew something was wrong. So naturally, Brenda calls the ex-husband trying to figure out where he was. Her ex, her ex-husband let her know that they didn't ever go fishing. Alan was home with the stepmom and other kids when his stepmom told him to go eat McDonald's that she had brought for him. So sometime in between eating food, Rosalind goes out to go to a job interview, and when she comes back, Alan is gone. She claims, according to NBC, that NBC News, that she went to look for Alan around the neighborhood, but couldn't find him, and eventually ended up calling the police. So I already don't believe her. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, on April twelfth, nineteen eighty-five. Alan was reported missing from his father and stepmother's house. So Brenda actually goes out with her friends, her families, the neighbors, you know, to do a search party of their own, despite the police launching their own investigation. And according to Brenda, they went everywhere. They talked to people. They showed them pictures. They asked anyone if they'd seen any, if they'd seen him or seen anything, you know, like they would do like during a search and there were absolutely no leads the sergeant of this case very very interesting dude like fucking I don't know but the sergeant of this case Sergeant Francis Toll first thought he was a runaway or a kidnapping thus notifying the FBI to get involved because I think he, he was a minor so they got the FBI involved in that And unfortunately, even with the FBI involved, there were still no leads. So days go by, then weeks go by, and after 18 days, on April 30th, they searched the Flint River. By noon that day, they found a body, and it was Alan's body. Alan was buried May 10th, 1985. And they ended up at first ruling it a drowning after an autopsy. They figured that Alan went down to the river. He slipped and fell into the river and drowned because they knew that Alan couldn't swim. But one thing that was extremely disrespectful, the authorities, specifically that sergeant, asked Brenda if he drank alcohol. The, the 11 year old, yes, the yeah. exact the 11 year old, same. Boy. Okay, uh, well, sure. in, okay, did we already think. establish that he was like athletic, yes, to some degree? Yes, and like, so where was the assumption that he can't swim coming from? Just like good old fashioned racism? Well, or? I don't know, like, so like they just it, when I was reading Go about ahead. it, they were just saying Speak like <laughs> he couldn't swim, so he drowned, he drowned because he couldn't swim, but that's all that was said, and I thought it was weird too because. Oh, the boy who can't swim go near river. Yeah. It's really interesting. This case is really weird. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. But yeah, they're saying that this 11-year-old boy was an alcoholic. And even though he did exceptionally well, like with his, like with everything while he was alive but the reason they asked if he drank alcohol was because they did a second autopsy and the second autopsy showed that he had an alcohol a blood alcohol level of 0.15 which you know the legal limit limit is 0.08 so he was almost twice the amount of there's almost twice the amount of alcohol in his body so he had to be poisoned probably oh Oh, interesting. Not only not only was there alcohol, but there was also another reading of 0.07 of of rubbing alcohol in the system as well. So you hit that right, like he was poisoned. So they ended up changing the case from an accidental dra- drowning to a homicide. And it's important to note that Sergeant Tool felt that, and I quote, he got into his parents' liquor cabinet or got with his friends and they had some alcohol and was part of drinking. They drank a bunch of rubbing alcohol. Yeah, right? But it was 11-year-olds, man. Well, it's not even just, you know, tried to drink rubbing alcohol because they're dumb and they're kids. Smelling. Drank enough rubbing alcohol to, like, change your blood alcohol content. Yeah. like That's like a drink of, like, 0.07, like... A, a, a drink is just 0.08 or that's the legal limit of being right. intoxicated so if he's 11 I'm 31 and if I have a drink I feel like my skin gets really hot yeah it's that Asian flush <laughs> <laughs> but regardless if that happened can't relate <laughs> the, the FBI they kept investigating what I hate about this next part is that I know this happens a lot and there were and there were a lot of tips that were called in that were pretty much useless. They're saying that he got into this car and all this other information and the thing is there was no consistency what type of vehicle that he actually got into or what color the vehicle was. They're all different cars, they're all different colors. So it was stupid. But something that hap- that was happening in nearby cities was that a white male was forcing boys to drink alcohol and then he would rape them and then he would kill them. However, there was no evidence that actually linked that killer to be in that area at the time. But something that was important to realize was that Brenda was very fixated on why Alan didn't want to go to his dad's house, specifically when his stepmom was there. She felt very uncomfortable, she felt very apprehensive, but she just had an intuition that something else was happening there. Yeah, I do too. Right? Just wait. (laughs) And 
According to NBC News, Brenda said in an interview that Rosalind went to McDonald's to get them some food, and she was in a hurry to get to the job job interview, so she just dropped the food off and left. And she that's when she told Alan to go get the food, go go in and get the food, but he never went into the house according to according to Rosalind. So something was very wonky for Brenda, like she was just the wheels were turning. And it's also important to note that Brenda said that Alan wouldn't go anywhere without asking for, for, for permission. So he was he listened to his parents and he was smart about his decisions. Another thing that Brenda did, said during this interview was that she did not like the way that Rosalind treated her son. And of course her ex or her ex-husband didn't believe her or her son when he said there's something wrong. So, after a lot of searching and after a lot of questioning, this case goes cold. There are no leads, there's no nothing, there's just this dead boy that had been poisoned. So, eventually Brenda relocated back to California, but she never tried to stop figure out she never tried to stop figure out like what happened to her son and eventually after 17 years Brenda decides to move back to Flint Michigan and tries to figure out the case again like so she's constantly trying to figure out what went wrong she tried reaching out to the police department but all they did was ghost her and act like you know they didn't return any of her phone calls and after about 19 years a retired detective named Gerald Parks eventually came and volunteered to take the case and it was said that he worked for a dollar a month he was literally he was really trying to just because he was already retired so he was volunteering to get this case done like to figure out what happened eventually eventually after looking over the case files he started to look at Rosalind more because because of different things she said back in 85 the reason is the reason why is because he interviewed her interviewed her again and he made a statement saying that it's hard to remember a lie but it's easier to remember the truth like if you try to remember a lie that you told it's harder to remember that than something that you've actually done i'll keep all mine in the book so (laughs) (laughs) hey don't incriminate yourself looking for the book so eventually they get a lead to this woman named kathy Kathy saw Rosalind and her brother Montel forcing Alan to drink and molesting him before he actually Whoa. died. And this was months before he died. This is a new lead. This was just someone that gave the statement, or she came out and like gave the statement. So eventually, this was during 85, and eventually they end up tracking Kathy down to question her. And Kathy was in North Carolina at the time. And get this, the reason Kathy knew what was going on was because Kathy was married to Montel, which is how she knew what was going on. Kathy said they would put alcohol and Kool-Aid and they would put it in his food and make him eat it. They said that they were very abusive to him, but they were also abusive to Kathy, which is why she kept her secrets all these years. She was afraid. But going back to Rosalind, they let her know that she was implicated in a murder. And it took nearly four hours of questioning before Rosalind actually admitted 
to the murder. From the audio tape, which I don't have, but I do have a transcript from NBC, Rosalind said, I took Montel to the river, and he threw him. I didn't see him poison him. I didn't... I didn't see him, I didn't poison him, I never touched the boy, and I went home. Now you talk to Montel, he's going to say I did it, go ahead, I'll be your witness, I'll take your polygraph or whatever you want me to do, so can I please go home now? So she admitted that she did it, but then she put the blame on her brother. So what they did was they would poison him then they would molest him and then the last day that he was alive they overdid it and they actually killed him and i don't think they it was like one of those accidental deaths yeah it wasn't like actually a plan. yeah i don't think that was planned so they tried to hide the evidence and for 22 years they were able to go free but after that 22 years justice was finally brought to allen because of that detective that wanted to close the case because of a mother who never let her love die, these killers were finally named. Rosalind Brown and her brother, Montel Pettiford, were both charged with murder. They were charged with first-degree murder, to be specific, and they are now serving life in prison. Got him. Yeah. Well, this had a happy ending, because shit, that was... <laughs> That was a fucking ride. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, and I mean, kudos to all the people who, so many years after the event, continued to, like... Kept it alive, yeah. Kept it alive, yeah. It's a community thing, man. It's about the family. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, that. there's big implications for someone in your community killed somebody, and you right? don't know who. And what's crazy is it was someone that they knew, like... Mm-hmm. But they knew something was up, but they could never pinpoint it, which is... One thing I always said that I do... It really do be your own people sometimes. Right? Listen to kids. Like, kids are... Like, I don't think they're just making shit up. Yeah. Well, and even if it's, like, something small like bullying going on at school. Right? kid is, like, you know, sick every day and, like, crying because they can't... They don't want to go to school. Like, explore some, like, emotional... uh, I just ask him Outreach. You ask a kid why, they'll tell you. (laughs) Man very sad yeah it was a sad one uh so given that we just came off hiatus there was a very weird thing that happened over christmas christmas morning to be precise there was a bombing in nashville this made you know huge news it, kind of, it took a lot of people by surprise. And, you know, obviously we don't know motives yet, but they do have a primary suspect, which is everything's pointing to this one individual. In the Ben uh, 10 RV, I saw that. Yeah. Literally the first thing I thought about when I saw that RV. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's Ben <laughs> 10 Straight out of Ben 10. So we don't necessarily know why the suspect did create this bomb and blow up their RV on the streets of downtown Nashville. So currently, you know, obviously this is all alleged at this point, but it is Anthony Quinn Warner, who's 63, is the primary suspect. Was. What? Was? Was he was? Or is? Was. So is. He still is. He passed away. He died. So he, uh, he was yet. So he's currently missing, I believe, technically. He might have was. The RV is 
a similar RV was registered to him. He can't be found. So, for all intents and purposes, this is this is the man. So he may or may not be was. He may or may not be was. <laughs> so 1:30 a.m. on Christmas Day, so night of Christmas Eve, essentially, it's believed that Warner drove his RV. Uh, into the location where it kind of just sat. And it was next to an AT&T building transmission facility, which provides wireless service to much of the region. And then later that morning, it began playing music and a automated female voice began, began letting people know that they should evacuate the area and a bomb is going to go off in 15 minutes, 14 minutes, so on. I wouldn't have believed that. I'm so fucking stupid. Um, I would have just thought someone was joking. Also, like, there is a TikTok where I play this backwards and it was saying something else. I was like, wait, what? What's going on? I don't go. So I just close it on my TikTok, TikTok because... Someone know. showed me Hotep TikTok and I was like, I can't be on that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, so there, people in the area woke up early that morning uh, claiming to have heard some sort of gunshots. So there may have been a recording of gunshots as well. Someone called the police about the gunshots. When the police came to investigate, they identified the RV as suspicious and they called the bomb unit. Uh, but at that point, the countdown had already begun. And while the bomb unit was in route, it was detonated. You know, people, you know, almost 10 miles away could s- still hear the blast. It was quite large. You should at some point go look up the photos of the like devastation that this RV did. It was huge, huge bomb. And there has only been one body found, which is believed to be Warner. So possible suicide. Not sure if a uh, murder was the intent because again, the voice recording was letting people to get know to get out of the area. There were three people who were sent to, to the hospital, but they were not in critical condition. Um, so for who knows, for all we know, it was, you know, ear damage from the explosion or you know, shrapnel, something like that. As far as this guy's background, he was, neighbors called him a hermit and that he had a history within IT, information technologies, that he didn't why, really why have the nerds friends. always the hermits? Kind of uh, Unabomber vibes. You know, semi-intelligent person and strange, strange end to their life. He w- did have a conversation with one of his neighbors before, I think a, th- a few days before the explosion. And according to them, he said he was going to be famous, that soon everyone was going to know who he was. Um, so one more thing that kind of points to this is the gentleman. Others have speculated that the bomb was planted next to the AT&T building because of a uh, possible 5G conspiracy. <laughs> so, the yeah, <laughs> the uh, you would think like you're making me mad right now. I'm, I'm sorry, but <laughs> So hopefully we can find some sort of like manifesto or something within Warner's belongings detailing the reasons why he did such a like a you know, horrible, strange act. So the the bomb was in Tennessee, but apparently uh, Anthony Quinn lived in a nearby city, Antioch. So he did travel to this location specifically and tried to not hurt any individual. It seems developing case kind of strange. <sighs> I'm really wondering what his intent is behind that. Because if you're going to warn him, I hope it's not the 5G thing. I saw uh, a Reddit discussion about, like, well, you know, it could be 5G. He planted it next to an AT&T transmission facility. I wish people knew how waves propagate through time and space. Um, People, (laughs) I've taken an electromagnetics waves class, and I know about this. So I'm fucking mad that (laughs) 
<laughs> anyone is saying 5G is going to do whatever. No. Yeah. Shut the fuck well, up. and the people complaining about 5G still stand in front of their microwave, so. Yeah. Wait, is that a bad thing? No, it's not. A, you're fine. You're fine. Just don't gotta, like, try gotta to turn on your microwave this. with the door open. I gotta wash my Hot Pockets cook. Yeah. This. Oh, here, on, on the subject of uh, smartphones, if another person tells me that there's a chip in the vaccine, dog, you carry a tracking device on you every day that or the government has access give to. Give me a fucking chip in my arm so I don't have to carry keys. I don't have to carry like identification. Uh, things would be anymore. so much more convenient. I don't have to like carry my payment anymore. Fuck a wallet because I'm tired. Bruh is the future. Just NFC connections, everything. Bro, it's the future. <laughs> Well, on, on those futuristic notes, I hope you stick around for the rest of season three. If you're new, subscribe, leave us a review. If you're old, you know, watch that back lubrication knees. <laughs> Check out the links below for all the merch and whatnot, all the important stuff. If you want to donate, you can do that too. I have nothing else to plug. Battle. Uh, yeah, I forgot. We forgot. Andre forgot. Um, we're Brothers of Murder, where we bring you true crimes of color, oh and we uh, <laughs> play music that you've probably never heard of before. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening. Yeah. See ya, fam. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>